0: Are you, entertained? are you not entertained? Is this not why you were here? <laughs> Turn the music up. Turn me down. Google. Let's go get him again. It's time for the money, my nigga. Brooklyn, stand up.
1: Look what is look with the second round pick? Make the a bitch up. do. <laughs> would it up. He's I would ask you how you doing, but I know how you're doing. It's been cold, a brick actually. The Hawk out ain't going home, ain't going away. Had a blizzard ice storm trying to come through fuck us all up so like i outside of that how how are you though are you good can you move can you jump
0: i mean i'm good i'm i'm close to jumping we're close but you know day by day you know you're just gonna take it one day at a time you know we're gonna work hard um and you know try to maximize the days that's you know that's our plan and that would they be saying and that would they be saying in the in the press conferences? I got my look, I got my press conferences ready, though. I'm I'm ready. Look, give me the mic.
1: Uh, sir, how do you feel about tonight's game? Well, uh, you know, we fought hard, we played good, and you know, movement, <laughs> but oh we're we're a good group of guys, and you know, that's just testament to to what we put in on the off the court and off the field, and you know, just gonna push forward. Or it could be like hey Ed Edwards, but like, hold on, y'all don't ask me no questions. I got this <laughs> McDonald's real fast. I fuck with that.
0: That was tough. That was funny as hell. He he uh he on that uh that Chad Ocho Cinco diet. He on that vs. Science shit. He remind me of a baby.
1: <laughs> McDonald's all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, hey, it, I guess it worked for Chad. I guess it worked for Chad, but you know the way edwards is what about to be in uh upper echelon of the league at some point in time He's
0: for, organization. for He's an organization
1: him. that ain't really that good so i'm surprised you're not a big like rooting for the wolves type of guy because you've been a big Yo, the Clippers always been cool, yo. Like, you know what I mean? The Clippers is this, and Lob City that, and Doc Rivers's, and Chris Paul's, and Blake Griffin's, and Molly Crawford's, and all this shit. So now, like, them niggas is in the news again, made a deal, and like, you not jumping for joy like you usually do for your favorite city. Like, your, your most high expected city to go win a chip. Like, these is your niggas.
0: I don't even claim the Clippers. I was just taking a stance on an argument, and now you're placing them under my fandom? Huh? Uh, Reggie? Uh, absolutely, Reggie. <laughs> absolutely? For what sure. the hell? Absolutely. Nah, yo, you, know, you, know where my, you know where I align. Now, this does mean good things for me and my guys. I'm not going to hold you because all y'all no, this all all y'all told me beginning of the season all these guys game yeah i'm staying in portland man that's that's where i'm at trying to be all noble and shit just like his bum ass just just like his bum ass cousin bradley bale in washington i'm 10 toes down in the dmv with mumbo sauce now he now he tired of the mumbo sauce and thinking about leaving get him and the beard your guy I got me, Kyrie, KD. we in it. It's the next dynasty. That's what y'all was saying. And now it's, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think I might want to get out this place. So now it's my guy, Maury, doing what he do, carrying the bag. Y'all all all called him crazy. Y'all said he was tripping. Y'all say he need to do this. He need to do that. And look at him; He in the best possible position that he could be in. Three uberly talented players at his discretion. Three teams that are probably very willing to make a trade at some point in time. It may not be at the all-star break. It may not be at the trade deadline. Trade deadline. But it's going to be at some point because not near one of them players is staying on a team. Well, I
1: can agree with that. Mostly until you got to Harden because, like, if Harden was on, let's say, the Clippers (laughs) and not the Rockets when he was trying to get out of there, there's probably a good chance that Daryl Morey gets James Harden in Philly, and we never even see the beard in Brooklyn. But that whole problem with Morey leaving the Rockets on some weird shit and then ended up in philly it's no way that, that team is making a deal with the devil and he damn sure is a devil because he's doing what he needs to do but them <laughs> other two <blue> guys <laughs> i used to be like man free brad bill damon cj cool but one of them might have to get up out of there Dame heavy, cut from the Iverson bull. I'm I'm staying where I'm at. This is my guys, my city. I don't want to chase chips. All right, cool, bro. I hate to say it, but we probably gonna remember you for the the wave, by shot. Like that shit gonna be in the TNT playoff package, ABC playoff package. John like <laughs> that's what we gonna remember you for, cause you have the chance to go and shift the league up. The league ain't Warriors or Bust, LeBron or Bust anymore. It's a wide open space to get into the chip. Why stay in Portland? Brad Bill, why are you staying in D.C.? Like, neither of those organizations have made any moves that could propel you to championship stardom. Like, Brad, when you had Wall, y'all had button head, button conversations, problems During y'all prime formative years, y'all best chance to go deep, deep, deep. Y'all lost the IT in them. Now, granted, it's a unique situation. Emotions was running high. Loss of family members. It's kind of hard to beat a guy in that space when he got some shit to get off his chest. But again, it shouldn't take you X amount of years to realize, damn, I could have had something with me and Wall. Now. I want to just stay down here, get my bread and all that shit in and, and Washington. No, 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 no. You don't get to change your mind and say that, yo, I'm kind of open to moving and grooving somewhere else because I'm seeing them be doing B things. No. Sit fuck in fucking D.C. until the season's over.
0: I don't want to hear that shit. I mean, yeah, unless, I think. Unless I'm Daryl Moore. I mean, but Washington's definitely telling him that. Washington's like, look, bro, you committed to us this season. We you had your chance, you had your opportunity, and you said you wanted to be here. So you're gonna be here for this season at least. I'm We're sorry. Be here.
1: We went, we got we got Trez, we got Kuzma, we got did He got his first triple-double on the night when most niggas bet his under on everything. Because what the fuck is going on out here? But that's besides the point. They got a nice little roster. They started off the season good, and then all of a sudden, eh, you come back down to the mean, back down to the yeah, kind of yeah. I mean, so now he's looking around like, damn, maybe got to do to get out of there. And now the Blazers are making deals with the Clippers, and at first I'm like, oh, the Blazers want a deal based off of what you had told me. No, I'm guessing Wi-Fi fucked up because it was a little confusion on what we was talking about, but now I'm looking to see what's going on in the draft picks to me. Like you, like you said you brought up, I don't know if you did, but
0: I hate black people.
1: (laughs) You, maybe you did say it, but now that I think about it, is, is this the beginning of the, the sell-off in Portland? Like you think you said it is?
0: It's got to be, right? Like you don't make those moves. The, Nolan Powell won. They traded for Nolan Powell from Toronto. Norman. Sorry, Norman Powell. Norman Powell. They traded for Norman Powell from Toronto. Signed him to an extension. And now, what, a year? No, two years later, you move him and Robert Covington. Who are like okay Robert Covington, a glue guy, supposed to be a glue guy? Didn't do what he was supposed to be there for, which we understand the Sixers could have told y'all that,
1: but they went and got him again. They had him previously, shipped him off, brought him back again.
0: That is very true. That is very true. They did double back.
1: So that's a poor man's version. Before you continue of what the blade of what the Wizards did, the Wizards at least brought in some pieces that are young and and are averaging at least all double figures. The Blazers, all right. You make a nice little effort getting a champion, trying to pair with CJ and Dame, and then you get Robert Covington back for a three and D. Hopefully, I guess. And then what do they do? A deal.
0: <laughs> but he. he but I think. But up. I think they were in a situation. I will say, like, I think they were in a situation where they knew they needed a three and D guy. They knew they needed, you know, they need. They knew they needed something. And sometimes you you can only choose from what you got. If there's a whole bunch of rotten fruit in front of you, you gotta take the lesser of the rotten. And and that was Robert Covington, clearly. But I mean, I don't know what's this mean for CJ McCollum? What does this mean for for a guy like Dame, like CJ McCollum, a guy who just, you know, coming from a very scary medical situation, like does a team want to, you know, build around you? Dame, an older guy now, you know, he's getting up there. He's in his 30s. Do, do they want to try and build around him again? I, I just don't. We we obviously saw that Nurchick isn't, you know, who they thought he was going to be. It's time for the team to be blown up. I think that's the only option that they had.
1: But do we ever really see teams blow it up the right way? Like the right way to blow it up and the most respectable way to blow it up would be to move both Dame and
0: CJ. Well, yeah, but I but I think they're keeping one because they're keeping one because but but business wise, they're going to keep one for the business because you need you need something there to get fans in the doors, especially in a city like Portland. You don't have the you don't have the basketball draw in Portland. So you gotta have some type of star, some name that everybody knows for them to get into the building each and every night.
1: And as much as port as much as I disagree because Portland is low-key, like a good basketball city, but that's only in terms of like talent put out. Yeah, 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 yeah. As opposed to it being a fan attraction. Now they do have a pretty supportive fan base, but they've always had. They've always kind of had players like they had Clyde, mm-hmm. they had a bridge that had a few bridge years of Scotty. They had Lamarcus. They had B. Roy. You got Dame. You got CJ. So like they've always had players, and now if they do start selling off pieces, it's going to have to be CJ McCollum first, which is fucked up because you would think you'd be able to get more for Dame or CJ when it comes down to it, but that's the that's the beauty and the problem of the NBA trade deadline because now teams like Philly have leverage that can only get greater after the deadline passes on February 10th because the Blazers are for sure about to have to try to do something because you're trading away guys that you just brought in that was a push for Dame to be like, look, we're doing this. For you, just to move them off two years later. Who can you go get for CJ McCollum that would be a a substantial and legit package? Like, are you going to go get Sabonis from Portland? I mean, from from Indy? No, because then Mm -hmm. you now have a better version and more mobile version of Nurkic. And it's like, are you going to include Nurkic in the deal? But like, what what are you going to trade Nurkic? For miles Turner like and and do what like now you just have now you're shopping for parts your jacket for beats and you're not going to make the right tracks, even with the right shit in front of you like. You almost have to blow the whole shit up, which, like you said, they're not going to do they are going to keep one and it's probably going to be Dame at least until the seasons over because maybe that Dame for Ben thing pops up. And but go, I think it
0: was new. Well, I think also they can't trade Dane because he's technically hurt right now. So, uh, that's another reason why Dane will probably stay on the roster a little bit longer. Um, well, obviously, we'll stay on the roster longer than CJ McCollum. I, what's out there for CJ, though, it's just I, I don't know if teams are enticed enough to especially to give a decent amount up for CJ McCollum. He's been wildly inconsistent. He's been great at times and he's been subpar at times. And, you know, the games that matter, he hasn't shown up enough. And is that because Dames had the ball in his hands a lot more? Is it because he hasn't had enough opportunities? Is it because the offense isn't wasn't uh, pricked around him? Who knows? But his the way he's viewed right now, just like Ben Simmons, they're both in a situation of, you know, you played how you've played. People view it, view you as such and view you in a certain light. And that's kind of what it is. It is what it is. So, I mean, I think it's going to be real interesting on, you know, how that dynamic is going to work, and how what's going to happen with CJ McCollum? But what what do you see from the Clippers? Because this is also a weird move by the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi hasn't played all season. Paul George is hurt right now. uh I mean, you know, Luke Kennard and, and Reggie Jackson have been hooping a little bit. What what does this mean for them?
1: If I was the Blazers, I would have tried to go get CJ McCollum because I completely disagree and think that he's been playing outside of his mental condition, medical condition, pretty fucking good, especially in the playoffs. Now, granted, they've had weird success in Portland, but for the blade, I mean, for the Clippers, it's almost like, to me, it's like, they're not waving a flag of any color, but it's not the white flag. It's more like the, the caution.
0: The yellow flag.
1: Yeah, it's the caution flag. Like, (laughs) I see this deal and I think, oh, that's pretty solid deal for the Clippers. They got this, this and this. Now they got Reggie Jacksons. They got Morris Twin playing great. They have Luke Kennard finally coming into his own as that shooter that people thought he could be. A little bit of a scorer. Like a little great value Dragic type shit. But then I'm like, hold on, man. Paul George might not come back and play this year. Because he came out last year and took Trey Mann in them pretty deep in the playoffs. Really good, really good year for him last year.
0: Yeah, him and Terrence Mann.
1: Yeah, so like Paul George, we would, I would assume with those two pieces that they just got and the pieces that they have in place, yeah, I think he probably could make some noise in the playoffs with, the, with that team. But I don't think he's coming back because of what they got in return, because now I'm just looking and I'm like, he's had shoulder surgeries, he has this weird
0: injury now, ligaments now, and it's just like. And not to mention that Tyron Lue has already basically stated that Kawhi will not return this season.
1: If one or both of them came back, I think the Clippers would be a very, very, very heavy, heavy, heavy
0: hitter,
1: sucker. For sure, dog. You know, and if we want to put a my mixtape cover on it, that shit would be flames. All y'all niggas, (laughs) where y'all know who that is and what that's about, I don't want to hear it. You didn't have Spinrilla. You didn't have my mixtapes. You didn't have none of that. That premium platinum package. Right. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Yeah, man, I don't know if Paul George comes back. And even if he does, like, even, so if he doesn't, I think it's a very very fun team to watch. Still, you know, Clippers fighting hard lately. They had some nice, cute wins, and you know, Luke Kennard four point plays for wins and shit like that. But <laughs> like all all these moves that I see, for some reason, just brings me back to what you said earlier about like the Sixers are in one of the most unique and powerful spaces for now until the end of the the off because. We know if Ben Simmons doesn't get traded now, which he probably isn't going to. The talks at the end of the season are going to be nuts. That July 4 area where all that news drops out, you know, our people doing their fun, burgers and burgers and, and dogs and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Philly going to go up when that shit hit. No matter I where just,
0: he goes. Bro, and I just find it so crazy because... Wasn't like that, was the whole thing from Rip, bro. People were saying Philly has no leverage and yada yada yada. Daryl Moyes is gonna have to take what he can get. And people have been saying this all year. And now we're getting to the point. People are still upset. Like people in the city are upset that we haven't traded Ben Simmons. And I feel their pain. I understand, I don't want that light-skinned brother in my city anymore. I get it. Weird conversations. We're having weird conversations in Shag's DMs. I get it. It's weird. I know, I know, Man. but, but like, you gotta think of the, you gotta put your thinking cap on and think of the long game we're playing. We're playing chess, not checkers. Like it's a different type of game that we're playing right now. And you gotta be mindful that all these other things are gonna happen. Like nobody foresaw that you know these exact things were gonna happen, but we we probably assumed that Dane was probably gonna get tired or or probably was gonna get tired of Dane, but there was gonna to be some type of blow up to where Dane was be, gonna become available at some point again. We were pretty sure that Bradley Beal was gonna change his tune and want to get out of Washington because that team was bullshit and we knew it was bullshit from the start. So it's just about being patient and just, you know, taking your time and just realizing that. All things will come with time when two dot. Just chill, just chill, just wait a minute. But look, baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. That's all. We're going to be good.
1: Now, I think you're right because it is definitely chess. It's not, you're, you're not playing sorry. You're not playing shoots and ladders. You're not playing Candy Crush. You're playing the long game, and the long game is always going to be. What can I get for my assets? Because you know you're never going to get back true equal value when you trade a player that you think is pretty fucking good. And Ben Simmons has a lot of value to a basketball team. So whatever package that ends up coming in the offseason is almost certainly going to be better than what's available right now. And the worst thing you want to do is make a trade bashfully just to do it because you're sick and tired of the clouds rolling around. That doesn't seem to be raining on the court because the Sixers are floating right where they were if Ben Simmons would have been here in the first place. And I think I want to start saying the man's name is 2525, some semblance of his number, because I'm over the whole shit. You know I mean you DMing, you DMing Shaq? is weird because if he was really your LSU brother that you was trying to say he was, you would have had his number.
0: Exactly.
1: I'm not hearing that. If you if you are a pro from an institution that has some form of relevance in the sporting world, which is half of the reason why you went there in the first place, you would have the best alumni's contact information at some point in time. You're not doing it through social media. Exactly. It just doesn't make sense to me.
0: That spoke to me as well. I feel like that was very weird because, like, and then when she asked him, like, does he have your number? He was like, no. Like, there's no need for him to have. And that even spoke even more volumes because I think Shaq knew who Ben Simmons was since he got to LSU. Come on,
1: man. Shaq is the most (laughs) basketball player from LSU. He is the LSU basketball brand from when it was – he, he, he damn near probably put it on the map yeah. in a lot of ways. So I just don't, I just like, I, I don't understand that part of it. That That's the part that spoke to me most because I'm just like, all right, you want to contact him about what he said about you, bro. Like you brought all of this on yourself. It, it's okay. not, people aren't just coming up, waking up and like, be like, ah, uh, I, I want to pick one 25 today. Nah, bro. Because every time we hear Ramona Shelburne and other peoples of the world pop up, and it's like, oh well, I wanted them to come, do more, and reach out to me in the off season when I was working out. But you also told them that to not come and see you at all. After ignoring text messages and calls and stuff from your head coach, like that's to me, like you know how when your girl get mad at you, and you like, yo, what you want to eat, and she like. I don't know. I'm not really hungry, but in the back of her mind, she's like, "You should know I want to go to fucking Red Lobster and get this, this, and this because you, you should know that."
0: Thanks. You don't. You can't read minds. I hate you that. And they, they females be out here thinking that we can read their minds. Like, if I, I know, was.
1: You a, know why I'm mad at you at four in the morning? I'm not a genie in a bottle. I, you can't rub me three times and pat me, pop out, and know all things. I can't do it. I wish I could, but I can't. And what the, and it's like, like you at least with that person every day. So maybe they have a little bit of warrant to, you know, expect you to kind of know certain things based off of tendencies. But Ben Simmons, you're not around Doc Rivers enough like that because you seem to be the guy who doesn't really want to be around when the off season pops around.
0: You want to go to LA and be around the Jenners and be a little weirdo.
1: Meanwhile, the, the guys who you all of a sudden say they're throwing you under the bus and are trying to reach out to you to, to, to do your job better. So I don't, I mean, I'm cool on the board 25 and it's like reaching out to Shaq and do all that it says to me that like, not only is it weird, it's true that Ramona said that you were sitting there and you watch every Sixers game. How can you watch all these Sixers games and not think, damn, like, I just opened the door for the whole world to see who Tyrese Maxey really is. And he can do a lot of things that I just can't. Why are they running pick and roll so much? Oh, because I can't be a, a aggressor off of the off of the roll. I got to be the pick guy at all times cuz I can't I can't be the initiator off it cuz I can only do one thing. Drive and kick. I would say drive and score, but like you don't really want to do that. You don't want no. to go smoke. <laughs> you don't want that smoke. Like it just bothers me, man. Because like, why reach out to Shaq to do all that, and you not have you not have a plan back at all.
0: And like like you said before, man, he brought this upon himself because he decided that he wanted to be salty, bro. And it's like I I don't even really fault him. I don't fault him for being salty, bro. Cause like, you know, you, you know, your emotions are your emotions. You take things, how you take things, you feel things, how you feel things. That's, that is what it is. is. I'm Nobody's faulting me for that, bro. But where people are just frustrated and feel like you being soft as hell is you are letting that affect your job. I can hate my job and I can hate the things that happen at my job every single day. But one, I know that I need that job in order to make bread and two, Especially if it's a job that I that I have that involves a lot of teamwork and involves other people and my success and what I do directly impacts other people and what their success is and how much bread they can get. I feel, if, especially if I fuck with them or if I feel any type of connection with them or if I like them at all, I feel some type of responsibility to help them in this task that we do. And I get that there's a business involved and I get there's money involved, but I think there's a difference when you're playing in these, in these team sports and you're playing with guys that you quote unquote like, that you quote unquote respect. You have some type of responsibility to them. And I just feel like he doesn't see that. And maybe it's because he's not American and maybe because he's from Australia and he likes playing with kangaroos. I don't know, but bro, like, you, this is not Kangaroo jack, bro. Like, we in America, and you play on the Sixers, and this is a good team. Like, you got an MVP candidate, an MVP favorite right now, and you're making the conscious decision to not play with him. That's all on you, bro. That's not on anybody else. It's not on Doc Rivers. It's not on Embiid. That's not on the organization. You're making the decision to sit out and not play because you're still hurt, and you can't come to grips with that.
1: It's a very selfish thing, man. And like, maybe it comes out in years from now and it's like, oh, he was going through some very extreme mental stuff and he had, you know, mental health, mental breakdowns, things of that nature. It's understandable because I would assume that he's going through that stuff now because there's no way that like, one, you quit on your team, but like you mentioned, like he's not even from America. You also quit on your country during the Olympics, like... You could have at least played in the Olympics and and, and strengthened what you think you're worth to your organization in the NBA. But you didn't even do that. You didn't even want to play for someone that's different from you, which leads to which tells me that, like, it's definitely a mental thing that you're going through. And I get it. But also, bro. You can't keep coming out every so many weeks with reports of oh I'm almost upset because of Doc Rivers and then I'm upset because of this with him being and it's like you're going through a checklist of things that you were upset about now maybe that's your way of getting it off cool but like you ruined it what you're supposed to be good at
0: I I think he didn't play in the Olympics because he was scared I truly believe he was scared. And <clears throat> I think that's a conversation that him and Rich Paul and 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 and, and those no it was real shit. I think that's a conversation that those guys at Clutch Sports had and said, look, like if you don't feel it, they, they realized he wasn't confident and they realized, look, there's no need in hurting your stock even more, especially after that performance that he had in the playoffs. You might as well just sit, chill, get on ice, get healthy work out and and we'll try and get this trade done that's the conversation i think that was heck i i truly believe that he he wasn't right bro because you could tell in that hawk series he was he was terrified of the line bro he didn't he wanted no parts he didn't want any situation where he could even have a chance of having to step to that line and so you know, I I just think that's that's his whole reasoning behind not playing now and why he didn't play in the Olympics. It's just a crazy situation, man, because like <laughs> this is gonna go down to history, bro. this is this is I, I don't think we've ever seen this before from a from an all-star player like this, maybe not even from a player in general for him to just willingly give up all this money to not play. This is, this is astronaut. This is, this is history in the making. It's crazy. No, 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 no. Like, just think about this. The Sixers are making history with two players for two totally different reasons. One is a big man that's playing like a fucking guard. That's an MVP favorite. And then another is a player who's refusing to play because he got his feelings hurt and he's scared to play. What the fuck, yo? What?
1: ESPN, on,
0: man. ESPN 30 for
1: 30%. What the fuck, yo? <laughs> Two talents in the same city. That's what the fuck is going on, but that's not even going to be the crazy 30 for 30. The one that's really going to fuck up shit is the one from Brooklyn. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. Because yeah. the shit that Brian Flores from Brooklyn is doing to the team from New York in the Giants, all thanks to your guy and my guy both, Bill Belichick, for a of different reasons, had to pull out the old head trick and say, oh, shit, congrats, Brian. You got the Giants gig. Oops. Wrong Brian. So now this nigga Brian Flores said, hey, fam, <laughs> I got a suitcase. I got a, I got a suit out here. What?
0: We normally what? keep, bro. We normally keep it to hoops on this, John, and you know, what? I try to give y'all random hoop shit. But like this, this right here, this shit right here, this shit, right <coughs> here, this shit right here, nigga. This shit called death. You mean if I
1: smoke it, I can't hear. No, nigga, you gonna die. <laughs>
0: But seriously, though, like this is the type of shit that, that motherfuckers die over, though, bro. Like, this is like, like, like their careers die over shit like this. Literally,
1: yo. And I don't know if this is going to happen to Brian Forrest. We're in a unique time where some people might look at this and be like, hey, this might be our chance to stick it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And we can hire this type of guy.
0: Cough, Ooh. cough the
1: Saints. Or maybe maybe he ends up on the Raiders with, with, with Josh McDaniels. They went through things together.
0: I know, but did. I just don't – I don't think – that's a demotion for Brian, and I don't think that that's something he's even interested in. You know, a guy who makes a, a – who throws out a lawsuit and is actively suing the NFL, which is a billion-dollar business – I don't think that's the type of guy that takes and will will willingly take a demotion. So.
1: I feel like, I feel like I agree, but my caveat would be that Brian Flores seems to be a very intentional and measured individual.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I fully agree with that.
1: Who, if I were to think, he didn't just spur it a moment, call up his lawyers and draw up a lawsuit.
0: Oh, that's, you know,
1: I think he probably had that brewing, which leads me to believe he's probably weighed all probably options at play here. If I do this and I don't get a head coaching job, could I potentially get a DC job or could I potentially get some type of other job? Would I be okay with that? Is my passion and love for the game overweighing my selfish and rightfully selfish thoughts of of i need to be a head coach or nothing because of what i have previously just did the last two years so i don't know what his end game would be in terms of coaching if he would accept it accept the spot but i do think a team like the saints largely managed by a woman would be a team to take that not necessarily a risk but to take that story and situation and shield it or even uplift it even more All right <clears throat> Whereas, if he goes to the texans they already have a shroud of clouds around them
0: and i think it does help that they have guys like cameron jordan on the roster uh, malcolm jenkins guys who are vocal leaders who are vocal on black issues and you know they were you know people who are involved in you know uh, the coalition, the black coalition that um, the NFL started. So I, I, I think the saints are the best, <clears throat> the best option for him. Um, and hopefully they give him a shot, but I just, I just, I'm just, I, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, how the NFL changes Cause I think that's where the conversation is really at. Like, how does the NFL get better? What are the, what are the, what are the action steps after this? And it's hard for people like us to really come to those decisions and 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 know what's actually viable for the NFL because we're not in these rooms, we don't have we don't know what's. um, What's actually you know what's able to be done and what's not able to be done, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of and like we know that there's not a lot of black GMs in the NFL, but I think. That there needs to be more and I know it's hard because you know we're black people working in these white spaces it's very difficult to hear your voice and for your voice to be heard, but at the same time. You know, Keyshawn brought up a great point this week about you know black execs standing up for black coaches and the dichotomy of that situation and. I just want to get your thoughts on like what do you like do you agree with keem on what he was saying and and i mean you work on the show every day so you would know but um also do you you know just what are your thoughts about the situation as a whole
1: oh i thousand percent agree with Keyshawn. the only problem with what Key said is it's not even a problem it's more of a realization and the obvious thing is that that type of change would swiftly rectify a lot of problems in the NFL from a representation standpoint, but in order to have that sweeping change or even that little drip in the bucket anyway, you have to have an option to even have those people in those spaces. And we don't have those black people in those spaces because we barely have black people in spaces
0: to be head coaches. I mean, that's a great point. That's a great point. That's
1: a great point. So I feel like it's hard. It's it's going to be even more hard for those Black representations to be a thing in the end. Like Jason Wright, Black president with Washington. Yeah, we can congratulate him on that for sure. It's an incredible accomplishment that he has had. But also the problem that I have with that, which is a problem in which is the problem with the Raiders, which is the problem with the Texans, is these black coaches or black people who get put in positions of power in the NFL, their situation is never, ever, 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 ever the same as a white man taking a job. From the aspect of, oh, this white coach has signed a four-year contract, we're really going to give him five and a half to get shit right, unless he's really bad. But that black coach with that same four-year contract, you have to have turned the team around by six games the first year. Under you, you basically have to go undefeated. You have a winning season, okay, cool, whatever. You have another one, okay, cool, whatever, even though we are giving you a bad product to cook up. You still selling the drugs out to people and bringing back the money. But they don't like that because now you are changing up their thought process and their plan because, like we talked about earlier, the long game its never for the black coach to be successful. It's the stopgap to get you to where you want to be for your company. And that's fucked up. You'll never see a coach who's black come in and be able to say, oh, you know what?
0: I'm in a good situation. Only one. Only one has gotten it. It's Mike Tomlin.
1: And that's the only one. And uh, Matt, just think about what he has had, what he has done, the single most important thing that he's done in the NFL in his career. It's not winning a bunch of Super Bowls. It's not looking cool and black and yellow. It's not none of that. It's him never having a losing season and being a consistency and a beacon of consistency in terms of the product on the field, Mm. the no-nonsense tolerable things that he's been doing, handling people who we've seen go off the rails on other teams. So these Black people in these Black spaces, they are entering into unwinnable situations, Rich Passaccia is taking over for a coach who was racist in emails, coaching a team who had a receiver sadly murder somebody going unexplained miles per hour on the road. David Cully is the coach of the Texans whose star, young, top five NFL quarterback talent has 22 women alleging that he is a sexual pedophile in masseuse rooms. Jason Wright is taking a job under the biggest black eye in sports right now. And what do we do? We find the small celebratory moments in all these narratives of this black man has a chance. And that's the problem. He doesn't have a chance. A chance would be... You get to take this and build it up. We can build it up with you. Brian Flores built the Dolphins up from some bullshit, and he gets canned. Huh? How is Jason Wright going to rectify what's going on in Washington from a cultural standpoint within the organization if Daniel Snyder has the NFL in his hand? They can't release what they're about to find in his findings, because if they did, they would have done it already. He has something in the NFL we've never seen before. But we have to find the sliver of happiness in these black coaching stories and black people in positions, because that's the only way that we get them in the first place is through horrific things that have have happened we crown james jones for being an incredible executive under the fucking watch of Sarver, who is extremely ridiculous and it should be he should be david stern david stern should take him like they did that you know who guy in clipperland and get him the fuck out of there
0: but that's a weird but that, but to get back to keys point <laughs> why are we treat but no no but on some real shit though like that situation that happened in Clipperland, Chris Paul was on that team. Yeah. Why I, I, I'm very like that's the shit that really confuses me about that about that whole situation with Saber because I it's like Chris did. Chris Paul, you was you was very vocal, you was very vocal about the situation with what happened with the Clippers and that owner and that ownership. You got him the fuck out of there, cool, appreciate that. Boom. What is the difference now, bro? You're a, you're a leader of the players association. I'm confused. Like you have even more pool now. So I'm really confused on why you're not the, the same energy is like, I don't know what changed. I don't, I don't know if it's a different situation. I don't know if they know personally that he that, you know, these maybe these allegations aren't true. I don't know, but like that's the, the inconsistencies, though. Like I know y'all playing well and I know things are going well for y'all. I get it. You don't want to mess it up. You got a young team. There's a lot going on. I get it. But at the same time, it's like you got to you got to you got to stand on your principles. You got to stand on what you actually believe in.
1: But you got to remember when that Clipper shit came out. It was hours before a playoff game. Chris Paul and him said, yo, we're not going to fucking play unless we get some concrete information on what to do. And that threat alone, which we saw years in the bubble. Yeah. When NF, when when NBA players are are in lock and key, lock and step on protesting or putting their power on Front Street, we see automatic change. Now the Sun situation, I believe, popped up during like the off-season-ish.
0: Yeah, it yeah. did.
1: So it was like
0: right before the season started to kick off. Right. right So I think,
1: and I think now if that same situation happened when the Phoenix Suns was in the playoffs last year, Chris Paul would have absolutely done the same thing. But I think now that he has had, oddly enough, the second time being in a situation like this and it being more so directed and coming from other NBA players, who are black coaches i think that is going going to be the reason why he didn't do what i think you want him to do and i agree with you because i would have loved to have seen him we're not fucking playing we're not doing nothing until y'all get this guy to fuck out of here but maybe the nba is doing the right thing and it's just gonna get all the facts because it is a lot to take in with what it going is on.
0: it is it is and, and I, I won't
1: the, lie the shit i feel like was way more they had way more concrete evidence of this.
0: It this was is direct and you knew, and there was video and the it audio was, drum, not the video, but the audio,
1: audio, yeah. Audio, there's paper trails of him and renting spaces and all that. The service situation is coming from people who were actively and confidently in a new space being able to speak on it. But to Keith's point, if you're a Black person in those spaces and in those places where you are allowed to make decisions on hiring and firing and giving people opportunities. I don't give a fuck if you put 20 people on a list and all 20 of those people were black black men and black women, you should make it 30. Make it 30 people before you get to your first white person because it seems to be that the intentions Of these owners and these people who make hiring of people and open doors to people, they never open the door for the black guys. They might crack it. They might just unlock the door. But in order to have the door be able to walk through, it has to be open. Doors are left open for white coaches because you see time and time again that horrific coaches get more opportunities to fail than black guys do at succeeding. And that's the problem. So if you have the representation at the higher level, you almost have to, as a obligatory thing of a black person, you have to go out of your way and search out the black candidates because they always tell me and you, it's not about the black hire or the white hire. It's about the best hire, which isn't true because the best hire wasn't Joe Judge to go to New York, a special team coach with zero experience. No way. More so than the coordinator that we see time and time again, we see t- coordinators that we've never even heard of get hired. Coordinators who happen to have took the trash out one day for Sean McVay. Oh, he knows Sean McVay. Let's hire the guy. But Eric B. Enemy can't get it. Look, Anthony Glenn and them can't get a Look, come on, come on. What are we doing? It's a systemic thing, man. Everyone's not afforded the same opportunities because the best hire would be you doing the due diligence as the Giants who have had the worst record in the league for the last five years. Your situations aren't working. Pat Shermer's not working. Joe Judge didn't work. Maybe Brian Dayball is that guy. He's coming from a great situation in Buffalo. But Brian Flores sounds like the home run hitter. He's from the city. Yeah. Love the <clears throat> and the most successful years for the Giants were under the the under the two most stern, non-fun people. Bill Parcells wasn't a cool, fun guy. At all. Tom Coughlin was, was the nigga who was, if you're not two hours early, you're late. You're late. Not even 15 minutes. <laughs> they had to tell him, yo, you got to chill, yo. You're doing too much. These guys ain't going to like you.
0: Thanks
1: but it reaped wins, it reaped Super Bowls. So how are you going away from your brand as the the flagship of the Giants? Brian Flores sounds like a guy who leans more towards Parcells and Coughlin
0: than fucking special team or Joe Judge.
1: But that's just one example. (laughs) You gotta be kidding me. What the fuck do I know though? But all I do know is what the fuck he said. I don't see how you can have any pushback for it. What's wrong with that?
0: Well, because they're going to say, well, you know, you're making the assumption that, you know, if you're a black person or, you know, if you're someone who's of minority descent and you're in these leadership positions and you don't and you don't necessarily give the job to a black person, then you're doing a disservice to the black community or you are a sellout. You're a sellout if you
1: don't try to give a black people to look.
0: Yeah, if you don't give a black person to look, so if you choose a white person over a black person, you're automatically a sellout.
1: If you choose a white person over a black person, and it's a warranted thing, there's no, nothing wrong with that. But if, but if you're not, if you're just giving a black person a look for the simple fact that it has to check the Rooney Wall box, for example, then you're doing a disservice.
0: No effect, uh, but I think. But I don't think he should have to say that. Like, that's a, like, it's just, a, it's the same thing when we go through Black so Lives Matter and people say, oh, but all lives matter. Like, duh, we know all lives matter. And we know that, you know, the best person should get the damn job. But that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is when these Black people are in these rooms and these white people are controlling the narrative and controlling who should get the job and overlooking somebody who's who's got the credentials who's got the talent who's got the experience for the job and they don't give it to that person because they know little johnny down the street was his cousin from fucking the last team that he played on and want to give him a shot that's that's where somebody needs to step in and be like oh what the hell are we doing here this person right here has all the experience that we're looking for and everything that we need to grow and and, and and get our team to where we want it to be. What's going on? That's what I think he's speaking to is like, there's nobody in these rooms. We do have these few black people in the rooms that are standing up and, and putting their foot down and saying, yo, we're not doing this.
1: You know why? Like, you we're
0: have- not we're not doing this at all, because if y'all want to do this, I can go to the press. We can do what y'all want to do. Like, like we're not doing this. But nobody, everybody's scared and everybody's scared to put their shit on the line. You know
1: why he has to say that? He's not talking to the 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 the, the, the white people of the world who are who are listening and trying to understand. He's talking to the people who need to hear it because Dominic Fox had a very interesting tweet about this and he was saying how, you know, in order for these very rare occurrences where black people get into those high ranking positions, whether it's in the front office, in the front office of the organization, GM level, president level, head coach level, you, well, not even going to say head coach level, but it's hard to be a black head coach. So I'll probably include it as well. You have to make your white counterparts comfortable in a certain way. And I completely agree with that because, you know, we say it all the time, black people have to code switch. Some people don't even accept that as a thing, but it's a thing to make people, it's a disarming tool to make the white people feel comfortable because we're painted in a certain light anyway. So when Key is saying that to the Black person who's in that high-ranking position, he's almost saying you have to remember who you are. Because along the way, in order to get to that high of a rank, you probably have to let a lot of shit slide for the betterment of your your, your trajectory of your career to even get to that position. But once you get to that position, you have to make it your fucking purpose to open the door for people. And you know who has done that the most right now? Just in an industry, any industry. Most relevant example, probably most hot example, probably. You're probably gonna be like, oh yeah, for sure. I didn't even know why I didn't think of it. Can you guess it? I'll give you
0: one. Uh, oh, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know who, who the hell are you talking
1: about? You got Lawrence, you got Molly. You got a funny, heavy-set black woman. You got Crenshaw. You got all these people in Insecure. All housed by who? Issa Rae. And what does she say time and time again in all types of interviews and stuff as she's talking about it? Her success, her coming into this prominence. I brought the people that came in with me. I actively went to make sure that my sets were X amount black. I wanted to make sure that this black woman has the same budget and same salary as this black guy or this white guy. And she made it her fucking point in the moments of her growing into the star that she is. She made it her point to bring the black people with her and to open the doors for them. That's what Key's talking about, because you can't lose yourself Mm -hmm. on your growth to wherever you want to go. Because at the end of the day, it is your fucking duty as a black person in a high ranking position to at worst, if you get fired, if you quit your job, you had left that bitch with a door open for another black person. Mm. That's the only reason why you should. That's the number one thing at the end of the day when you clock out as a black person in a high executive position. that which That's what you should be thinking. Damn. How can I open a door for another black person? Because the executives on the white side don't have to think like that because the pools are already geared for them to hire and interview seven out of ten white people. It's a diluted system, but we don't have to get into that because that's a that's a very heavy thing. But it's a rule, it's it's almost a requirement for the black person in a high-ranking position to do something to pay it forward. I think that's what Key was talking about.
0: I mean, be. I agree. But you know, all, all black folk ain't kinfolk, so.
1: And that's the age-old thing that people don't understand. It's almost as common as if I call <laughs> you one day and be like, yo, what you doing? Shit, I can't call it. <laughs> and I don't think I can call it, man. I just don't know if I can. <laughs> but you know, will Brian Flores get his job? Will they stop exploding oil tanks in fucking South of Africa? <laughs> Will they stop letting white guys off of killing black women off of social media apps in fucking Bridgeport, Connecticut? Oh, well, he's a nice guy. We don't have to investigate him, even though he was the last person with her. That's the obvious first person to be
0: investigated. I don't want to get into that. Whatever. Guess it's TBD. Whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Fuck this.